0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Barcelona Times Podcast. I'm your host, Jory Jankov, and today with me again is Pokit and we're going to discuss the, obviously, the two games um, over the last week, the one against Elche uh, for La Liga, and uh, the... Uh, round of 16 matchup for the Copa del Rey against uh, Rayo Vallecano. Um, Puki, we're going to start with the, a couple of. Um, obviously, the results were uh, positive in terms of if we just look at the result, but if you look at the performances, what stood out for you most um, from those two games? And do you feel that obviously Ronald Koeman said about the some significant progress that has been made in that? Uh, last month, obviously, um, a lot of matches uh, played away from home. Um, people getting injured, people getting suspended. Obviously, with Messi. But do you feel do you feel that uh, he's right, and there are some positives to be taken out of that uh, stretch in that month that we had in January, oh. or or do you feel the team is still some far some like some distance away from the from the top dogs in the league, if you like?
1: Well, uh, there are it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Because this season is already a weird one, and with Messi uh, out suspended because of that Super Cup of final, Breathe and Griezmann leading the line alongside Dembele. I think there are some positives in the sense that you see De young how he's playing. He's scoring goals. He is a great threat in the, in front of goal. Of course, he's a master in midfield as well, and he's just settling in quite well and Komen said i think after the vioconu game also that uh, he's even better than he was during his time in ajax that the wonderful run they had till the champions league semi final so i think that that that's one positive positive. and i'm you know i'm going to boast about my boy pooj that he got the winning goal of course like not the winning goal but he settled settled the score against away and just if you watch the game i think you did and you look at the smile on his face when he scored that goal, the passion of Barcelona that he has. He played runner. So I loved his performance and the impact he made. I just, I know it's not the same thing, but I was thinking about Messi's goal in the 2009 Champions League final against Manchester United, the header that he scored because he was the smallest guy on the pitch. And Pooch also was, I think, the smallest guy on the pitch that night. And he scored that header and settled the score 2-0 for us ensured the win. So, of course, my boy Pooj, and he started against Vaio Kano, and what a performance he had for an hour or so that he played, you know. So, wonderful. Those are, I think, some positives. Of course, one is that Araujo is playing like a veteran. It's a huge ask to fill Piki's shoes, and he's playing like he's been playing for years. So, the maturity, the awareness, the partnership alongside Umtiti, and both and Longley, of course, with mingwesa as well. So, he's, he's settling in quite well, don't you think?
0: <clears throat> um, to be quite honest with you, I've, um, I'm a bit impressed by Araujo, R- and especially the fact that he's not um, like okay, yeah, we saw the mistake against. Um, uh, I think it was the other game that Umtiti gave him a ball back, and they um, they couldn't figure it out it what to Ibot, do
1: with it. I
0: bought sorry. Uh, so they couldn't figure it out what to do with that ball in there with Minguesa But at the end of the day. You see that uh, those mistakes obviously can happen, but he's not really making individual mistakes. He's solid. Um, so th- as, as much as more he can, can play, I think that's going to be a better... Um, how to say He's going to get more opportunities. He's just going to get better. Um, yeah, even
1: Umtiti. Even Umtiti is playing quite well. Umtiti,
0: especially in the, last, um, in the last month that people were like, oh, we don't have a centre-back, we don't have this, we don't have that. I think it's is quite a positive, um, positive performance from uh, Umtiti, just a positive performance from the defensive line in general. Now, if we obviously we look at the, at the game yesterday and Lenglet just getting done well, for the first goal, <laughs> they are like I don't understand how uh, sometimes that, that guy, Lenglet, can look as a solid, solid central defender. Yeah,
1: I think you just hate Longley. I've seen that. He was so uh, harsh on Longley. I think you just hate him. It's funny.
0: Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't understand that guy. Like, he can play and he can perform uh, very, very nice in some games. And then on, the other, on other games, he just forgets how to defend in certain situations. Uh, at least, this we've not seen from Araujo just yet. So, <clears throat>
1: this is a positive, at least, for him. Um, I think also it it was a poor marking from us, that goal that Biocano scored last night. It was just, uh, you were very right, that it's a a defensive shambles. We should have marked them better. So, I think that was one mistake. And we were not clinical in front of goal. We missed so many chances. We hit the woodwork, I think, thrice it was the top corner, the post. I think three uh, times
0: we've hit the post. But we have a lot of uh, opportunities that are, uh, I don't even want to say clear chances, because they're even more than clear chances. When you have, for yeah. example, tr- Trincao mm. with the ball, and you have three people, and the situation is two, f- two against uh, mm. four for Barcelona, you expect that yeah. to be a goal. So, but he did play well.
1: Yeah. He did play, Trincao, well. Yeah. He did play well. He did play well. Given getting very limited minutes, he played really well.
0: Um, yeah. The interesting part about Trincao is that I think this is the first game that I've seen him, uh, and I can actually understand what he brings uh, and what his yeah, game is. Right. So, he's, um, he can be aggressive. He can be a very technical player. He can cut inside. So he's not, Dem- so he's not yeah. Dembele. But at the end of the day, mm. he brings another, another dimension kind of to the Yeah, you can, con-
1: cannot compare because Dembele is, brings, a, brings that pace that we you used to lack. And Trinkov brings in that awareness. The dribbling skills, of course, uh, come with it, and he can cut inside. He can play as a second striker also. I think that's not what Dembele's game is. So it won't be fair to compare the two. But yeah, both of them offer different great things on the pitch. Yeah, and
0: uh, uh, another quite interesting thing, uh, <laughs> just in my opinion, is that we wouldn't be so uh, so negative against Griezmann if. Griezmann brings what Trincao brings. I'm not saying that he's a better player or stuff like that, but just I think this was what we needed from Griezmann. Go on that right side, cut inside, try to beat people, shoot at the ball, create some chances. You know, just be, be more aggressive. And uh, I'm quite happy that I saw that from Trincao. But still, Griezmann, um, I think it's just that, the, the, the aggressiveness in his game. Like He's not sharp. He's not confident when he gets the ball. And for, to see Trincao not having uh, the amount of chances as Griezmann has to play and to establish himself in the team, he came in that game against Vallecano. I think um, he did really well, really well. So I hope I see him again. Uh, obviously, probably he's not going to play uh, from, the starting, uh, from, the, from the starting whistle uh, against Athletic. Uh, but I think he can, he can easily come off the bench and, uh, and contribute. Um, so when we look ahead to that, obviously, a uh, live-away kind of game, uh, we've won, we went through, so we're waiting for the draw, um, who we're going to play um, in the quarterfinals. But in terms of that game against Athletic Bilbao coming in at the last day of January and the first home game uh, for Barcelona in this new year, uh, I think the team forgot how the no-camp looks. Um, do you feel that this could be a tricky game coming back again at home uh, after basically a month playing away from home, or and considering the fact that we played Athletic Bilbao, but I'm, that's going to be the third time in the last month that we play Athletic Bilbao. So, uh, do you feel this is a tricky game, or we should be uh, should be considered favorite too in that one?
1: I think uh, you cannot you cannot write us off, of course, but I think the pressure is all on us because it's the first home game of the new year, and. Uh, of course, we've been playing pretty well in the past two games, three games, right? Uh, and I think we need that win. We cannot afford to lose points, of course. And with Bilbao, we have that nostalgia of the Super Cup of final, of course. We beat them at the San Mames in the league. But now it's different. So the pressure is all on us. Bilbao will come into this game filled with confidence because Marcelino is that kind of passionate manager, isn't he? So... I think the pressure is on us, and we, we have to just be on the front foot. And um, speaking, I I'm know I'm that we're going to get to the lineup later, but I'm just going to share. Uh, Busquets is out for the game. So, do you think Pyanic should get that start ahead of Busquets, or do you think that De Young, Puj, and Pedri should start in the midfield? What, what's your take? Um, the, um, to be quite honest with you, I like a lot
0: the idea of the uh, Young. Pedri and Puch. However, I don't think they should play against Bilbao, just simply because it's not a, it's not really that weaker of a team. Uh, so, it's going to be, it's going to be way too attacking to go like that against Bilbao. But, for example, if we look back at the Cornea game, if we look back at the, even yesterday against Raul Vericano, I understand that they're, they're a solid team and they did a really nice job in pressing and uh, just being uncomfortable to play against. but, if I say to you, we're going to play a team in Segunda uh, and the midfield is Pedri, pushing De Jong, I think we, nobody's going to have too much of a problem with that. But against Athletic Bilbao, I think uh, we're going to see Pjanic um, probably, yeah, probably operating in that role of Busquets and then uh, De Jong and Pedri, I think. Now, Do you think we're going to see again Griezmann, uh, Messi and Dembele up front or is it going to be something different?
1: Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Uh, I don't think Griezmann st- sits out for this one because we all want that he should not play because he's not playing well and b- maybe Dembele should play on the left and Tirinkao on the right or something like that. But I don't think Griezmann will sit for this one. Messi will certainly not be sitting for this one. I think uh, he'll go with Dembele, Messi and Griezmann up front uh, because Dembele offers that pace and we can you know, expose Bilbao's de- defence. Uh, and I think you're right that we would need Pjanic because we need a mature midfielder for us to be defensively sound. Since Des will not be there, Mingwessa will start at right back and Araujo and Longley will be at the centre and with Alba on the left. So I think we would need Pjanic, you're right, on the musket's rule. And Dejan can, of course, be free in the midfield, move forward. And he should be with, I believe, Pooj should deserves to be in the lineup. Pedri, I think he, he's given... With some rest, I believe, in the past few games, he's come off the bench. He has made a great impact when he's on the field, but I think it's just lovely to see Pooch in the lineup, isn't it? Even if he's playing an hour or he comes after an hour, he's playing at least a good amount of minutes now. He has been able to earn Kuman's trust somehow. And maybe I should say that Kuman's not blind anymore, he can see Pooch's potential and everything. So I think that. It's going to be it. Griezmann, Messi, and Dembélé for me. If I'm kumin I'm going to go with that uh, front three. What do you think? Should um, uh, should we start like uh, breathe through it as this uh, number nine ins- instead of Griezmann and Messi on the left and Dembélé on the right? Um, uh, uh, bright fight. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I like to. I like the
0: idea of uh, Messi, Dembélé, and rincao Just why not change a little bit? Griezmann again, not extremely.
1: Extremely but Kuman won't do that. I love that. That's like my FIFA front three. But uh, Kuman would not go for Trinka on the right, Dembele on the left, and Messi in the center because he does not play Messi as a number nine, if you've noticed lately. So well, that would not happen.
0: To be honest, uh, yesterday when he was uh, with uh, Griezmann and uh, with Trinkao, I think was that was a little bit of the idea. But with Firpo... Playing on the left, uh, on the left back, he didn't have the greatest of games. Obviously, he, yeah. uh, he was substituted, and then as soon as Jordi Alba came in onto the pitch, you saw that danger from the left side. And yeah, my m- my only thinking is, if you put uh, Dembele with uh, Alba in there, I think he's going to be even more more dangerous. And Messi now has people to to combine with and play with, and not not really like Griezmann kind of hiding himself. Uh, in between the lines so it's difficult to, then, to combine but, like that with him
1: don't you think that if Alba and Dembele play together on the left uh, so don't you think that Dembele will be caught out of position because Alba likes to get forward like he's the wing back right Yeah. then Dembele will be isolated because he will not be coming inside that's not his game right so don't you think that that would leave Dembele isolated or just you know not ha- having that much of an impact on the field
0: that's true. That's kind of true as well because Messi likes to combine with Jordi Alba there from the left, and Jordi Alba pretty yeah. much playing like a like a winger, if you like. But um, yeah, I, I understand. I understand that point as well. But then from from that point of view, it could be that we need somebody that cuts inside, somebody like Coutinho, for example. That could be yeah. fitted in there. But then all of a sudden he comes in, he plays in that position, and he's not really effective either. So yeah. <laughs> But you know what? Play play Firpo on the left back and play Jordi Alba as a winger. What, what can go wrong? <laughs> you
1: know, <what> I mean? <laughs> that's like crazy. That's crazy. How do you think uh, Bilbao will approach this game? Will they have the same lineup as they had again in the Copa Final? Um, I'm thinking
0: that uh, I'm not really sure. Only about uh, Raúl García if he's gonna start or not. But he had a he had a exceptional couple of games against uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona for the Super Copa. He obviously scored two goals against Real Madrid. was very uh, was very productive and very uncomfortable to play against uh, the Barcelona defense. So <clears throat> this could be this could kind of be the key for for them if he can um, find his form again. But um, in my opinion, for sure, Muniain is playing. Uh, Inaki Williams is going to play absolutely. So in the, in terms of the attacking threat there is going to be some. And the game is not going to be that comfortable because of the quality of Athletic Bilbao. But, um, again, they're not really going to come out and press like crazy. They're not really going to make... um, They're going to make it uncomfortable. They're not going to make it extremely uncomfortable in terms of, oh, now we're going to press high up the field in, uh, in every single area of the pitch. So there is going to be some space for Barcelona, but... Unfortunately, uh, I think the game is going to go down again. Uh, can Barcelona break down the the like the low block and that defense uh, that we've seen um, in the early parts of the season? We had quite a lot of problems against teams that are sitting deep and just absorbing pressure. We've seen the goalkeepers playing magnificent games against Barcelona, <laughs> man of the match, uh, having the games of their lives. So. If Atletico Bilbao approaches the game that way, possibly, possibly they can come up with something uh, um, out of no count. You know, maybe a point. I don't think they're going to win the game, but it's going to be it's going to be a trickier game than than many people think. Mm. Again, they're not really in the greatest uh, position in the in terms of the league uh, standing. But if you if you remember, they were um, not threatening to be relegated, but they were in those positions, 15, 16, 17. So, now they are ninth, and they are not really uh, in that, how to say that, crisis, if you like, in the beginning of the
1: season. I think Marcelino has made a great impact, don't you think?
0: Of course, in... of course. And that, yeah. and that title, that obviously it's not a title, but the Supercopa that they won, um, beating Real Madrid in the same final beating Barcelona in the final, um, it, it made a statement. It just uh, brought the team a little bit more uh, closer together. Gave him that belief. So you know what I mean. The team is in the uh, is motivated and is um, ascending. It's in the is in the right direction. Um, they're gonna create. Definitely, they're gonna create some problems. And at the minute, they're 13 points away from Barcelona. Not, uh, yeah, it's quite a big uh, distance. Quite a big gap. But if we look at the gap between Barcelona and Atletico Madrid, it's 10 points. And Atletico Madrid has the has a game in hand. So it could be potentially 13 points. So the difference between the third and the first is the same as the third and the ninth.
1: Yeah, um, yeah it's crazy this, this season. Do you think Atleti will run away with it? They have a tough schedule coming, haven't they? Aren't they uh with the Champions League coming in the round of 16. Of course, we have
0: um, yeah. we, we we have like around a month before the um, before the actual um, round of sixteen of the Champions League starts. But I think it's going to be very very uh, important for for Atleti not to lose any points now uh, between the Champions League, the start of the Champions League, and the uh, in that period because it's like I think four or five games that they have to play in that period, uh, and the games are against Cadiz away. Uh, Celta, Granada, Levante, and another game with Levante. So, the, uh, it's very, very important for them not to lose any points in
1: here. I think if they don't lose yeah. the points, they're going to Yeah, run very, very, diffic- yeah very, very difficult.
0: That's because... the only
1: place they can lose points. That's the only space of games, you know? like mm,
0: Especially because the season uh, after that becomes very, 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 very tight. And um, I think... Atletico Madrid can actually afford to sacrifice the Champions League at some point, if, for example, the first result against Chelsea doesn't go well, or the second, or the after that in the quarterfinals. So I think they they prefer to sacrifice the Champions League and win La Liga rather than just go uh, flat out on
1: both uh, on both fronts. Yeah, it's fronts been a bit and... tricky also with Thomas Tuchel coming in, and we don't know what's going to happen with Chelsea, right? So it's yeah. tricky. We yeah. cannot write well, either of them off.
0: They are they are the favourites I think they are the favourites I think and
1: Atleti with they are the experience and the players that uh, come with it I think uh, I think they are the favourites and they're gonna just uh, be unplayable right because they're gonna sit back 11 zero formation Chelsea is attacking players not doing anything so I I know that we're doing a, like a preview of the UCL game where I don't want to do that. It's a massive podcast. Oh, that's, a, that's okay. Happen. We're doing
0: the we doing yeah. the rival watch uh, here, so it's um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, As we've said, we don't. I don't personally. I don't expect Atletico Madrid not to lose points at uh, all until the end of the season. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think they're gonna they're gonna make a extremely uh, like tough title challenge and title push this season because we are what um, 18 games they've played so far. In the in the season is 20 left. So midway through the season, if we just assume that the points are gonna be the same uh, and they're gonna just replicate the the start of the season that they have, Barcelona are gonna finish on uh, 74 points. Real Madrid is gonna finish on 80 points, and Atletico Madrid so far is gonna finish on either 90, 94, or 100. So no, that's crazy, man. That's like that like a that is Premier
1: a... League thing yeah. happening here. Man City. <laughs>
0: Yeah, especially that is the, that is the Real Madrid uh, under Jose Mourinho. That's uh, Guardiola's Barcelona uh, going for the hundreds and pretty much looking yeah. unstoppable in La Liga. So it, it, everything is in their hands, basically. Um, if you want to uh, continue a little bit with the... <laughs> with, uh, uh, I don't even know how to comment on those, uh, on those news anymore. Uh, obviously, we're going to speak about Eric Garcia. The thing is this now. So just to, to just to give a little bit of a of a preview of the topic for people that may not be aware, of uh, what, what is the latest with uh, Eric Garcia? Basically, the um, as we understand uh, now, the agreement between uh, Man City and Barcelona is done. So Eric Garcia is going to be a Barcelona player. The only uh, questionable variable in that whole scenario is when does he become Barcelona player? Does he become in January uh, with? Now it's like three days left until the end of the transfer window. Or does he become a Barcelona player in the summer for free? Uh, no transfer fee paid, no nothing. The thing is this. Uh, all three candidates must uh, first give their approval to the signing as things stand. So basically we don't have a president now. We have obviously Carlos Tosquets, uh in charge. But he cannot make the decision to buy or uh, not to buy Eric Garcia. So that needs to be agreed with every uh, single member before uh, the actual transfer gets executed or finalized. So uh, everybody needs to agree on that. At the moment, Font is the only person that agrees and kind of pushes for Eric Garcia to become a uh, Barcelona player in the winter. Uh, he also came out and said that he feels that uh, Garcia is going to be a vital part and vital piece of the, of the puzzle, if you like. For Barcelona to win trophies this season, um, very interesting statements, uh, very, uh, very different opinions on the topic from the three presidents. Um, obviously, Font agreeing on that. Laporta coming out strongly suggesting that this transfer should be uh, should be kept um, um, should not be executed before the summer. So, where do you where do you stand on the whole Eric Garcia uh, situation, and do you feel I agree with Font that he can be, if he arrives in the club, he can be vital part
1: of uh, the title hunt or the, the trophy hunt this season. I see Font's point that, of course, he's an extra body in defense, but I don't agree that he is going to help us this season in particular because he hasn't been playing for City, has he? He's played very few games for City. And it's not like when he's played, he's like a master in defense, is it? And he's only 19 years old. I'm being very harsh on him. But um, it's not like he's a world-class defender. He does not have that experience that, for instance, or David Aliba would have, right? So I don't agree with the fact that he's going to help us this season. But he's going to help us in the long term, that's for sure. So if we can get him for free, then why not? Considering the club's financial situation, of course, in the transfer market, 5 million is nothing. You know, And for a club like Barcelona, it should be nothing. But Laporta knows the financial situation is not great. And I think he also knows that saying that Garcia would help us this season is just asking a lot from the lad. So I don't think it makes much sense for us to go for him in the winter transfer market. Of course, you said that three days are left and that's not going to happen. But... Uh, I don't think it makes sense for us. He's not going to make that much of an impact this season. He'll be an extra body in defense, but we are we, we are fortunate that Umtiti is playing decently well and he can improve, of course, in the coming games as he gets that game time and as he trains well, according to Kuman. So I don't think he helps us this season. But in the long term, for sure, I would love for him to come back. He is Lama Sia. He is one of our own, isn't he? So from that perspective, I would love it. What do you think?
0: Um, is an interesting one that um, with Eric Garcia, like I'm kind of more, of more agreeing with you in terms of he cannot like we cannot expect Eric Garcia all of a sudden to be to be the answer for Barcelona so I don't even know what is the ideal uh, starting 11 uh, with him even in defense so do people believe do they believe that he's a better quality defender than Araujo I don't really know he played 30 games in his professional career. I have, I have no idea. The, is he a better defender than Lenglet? Again, I don't know. Probably not. Is he a better defender than Piquet or Umtiti? So <clears throat> when we bring a guy like And he's like 19. That, and he's 19. Yeah, and he's 19. Yeah. <laughs> and he's 19. Like the, the way that the people are presenting that Eric Garcia transfer, I don't really like that. And I don't agree with it, especially from the standpoint of, uh, oh, he comes in and now all of a sudden we have the defense sorted we, we have no idea he played for Manchester City this season he was on the bench seven times he started two games the two games that he started uh, was 1-1 against West Ham he played the full 90 minutes that was in the sixth match day of the of the premier league he played the uh, 5-0 win against Burnley he came off the bench for 20 minutes and prior to that he started uh, and he played the, the 90 minutes in the third match day against Leicester at home. They lost that game 5 2, Manchester City did. So I have no idea. He played in the Premier League, he played 16 games in his career, Eric Garcia. He played 31 games for the first team of Manchester City in his career. And now we need to believe that this guy is the, is the next uh, Gerard Piquet. I'm not, really, I'm not really sure about that. And especially one thing that I, um, I'm extremely... Cause I, I received the news not really, not really well was about the fact that, okay, now Font wants to bring him in this, um, this uh, transfer window. That information came out a day after, uh, I think it was Marca, a uh, Spanish newspaper, obviously uh, came out with the front page of, of the newspaper, said the uh is barcelona going to bankrupt because the the depth of the club is already on 1.2 billion euros first of all i've never never heard of anything like that uh of that big of a debt in a in a sports franchise before so for just for that reason alone for somebody to come out and say oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna spend three more million is not gonna be too much i uh, I don't think this is a responsible uh thing to think to say and I don't think this is the the direction that I want the clip to go if you have over one billion euros in debt uh the the thing that you're thinking about is who can I bring in uh to help the situation um so from that point of view i don't think it's the is the appropriate decision if it's the if it's in the summer I think again um save some money from the Eric Garcia transfer and try to go for David Alaba. Um, nobody's going to argue with Alaba coming to Barcelona or is he a good transfer? Is he going to help? Uh, what is yeah, he going to bring to the... Of course.
1: He's, he, he's, uh, he brings that experience, he's, of course,
0: yeah. He can play in, his, as, uh, in the Sergi Busquets role. He can play on the left side of the defence. He can play in the centre. Uh, for Austria, yeah. he played as a number 10. He can play everywhere. And he's proven... And he's in his prime
1: also. Yeah, he's yeah, twenty-eight. He's
0: 28. Uh, absolutely the guy the guy's completely going to be a, uh, a game changer if he comes into Barcelona that's yeah. why I feel that now he has uh, so much uh, leverage in terms of I'm not going to sign a new contract with Bayern Munich I want to go and see basically which team he's wants linked me the most with every club,
1: right? <laughs> like, he's linked with Madrid he's linked with other clubs as well he's yeah everyone but that's
0: uh, also. Liverpool yes. it was uh, reported yeah, that Liverpool. they came out and offered him a uh, obviously a contract to join in the summer. So the interest is going to be huge for Labour, and understandably so. Um, Next, um, the next uh, piece of news kind of that we're going to discuss is the presidential election. So basically this is the second official uh, date that that has been scheduled for the presidential elections to take place. And that is on the 7th of March. So <laughs> it is a month and a, almost a month and a half away. Uh, once again, we had uh, that discussion before about the presidential election and what should be, at least, how should they be, how should the club proceed uh, in actually executing the, those presidential elections? Because by that time of the seventh of March, it's going to be almost six months. Um, the club being without a president and just basically. Uh, players, fans, coaching staff, everybody just um, hanging in the air to to understand what the what their future might be. But okay, we have the seventh of uh, March. It's a Sunday. What do you what do you expect from the presidential elections? Do you believe that uh, that they're gonna they're gonna go as planned, or again we're gonna feel that they're gonna be uh, delayed for some reason?
1: dude, dude please, man, no delays. It's already too late now. No more delays. Have them on 7th March. Even if three people vote, four people vote, just have them and elect a new president. I don't care. Just get, get done with it. And we need a new face in charge. We just need it. It's about time now. It's, it's getting too much out of hand now. We just need to have them <laughs> and we need the new president as soon as possible. So yeah, that's my take on
0: it. Um, the seventh of um, the seventh of March is a Sunday, and um, according to the to the schedule as it is now, uh, the La Liga schedule, um, the elections are going to come in just in between of uh, two games. On the fourth of uh, March is going to be the home game against Valladolid, and uh, a week later on the seventh on the eleventh of March, um, four days after the election, is the El Clasico. With Real Madrid, uh, in Madrid.
1: Wow, you don't stay. I mean, that's wonderful. That's a pretty intriguing timeline, if you will, to yes. the elections.
0: They they probably they probably gonna uh, hope that uh, the elections and the news of the elections is gonna um, have a positive reaction on players and staff and everybody. So, um, I do believe this is a that's how they decided. When the elections are going to be to be held, basically uh, by that time we're gonna know as well. Are we in the Champions League uh, quarterfinals or we no? So this is gonna be an interesting time. Unfortunately, again delayed, but um, hopefully we're gonna again we're gonna go at the end of it, and we're gonna have a new president on the seventh of March. A um, couple of uh, another things uh, just worth mentioning here. Obviously, the, we mentioned in the review of the games before the amazing form that Frankie, the young is in right now. Um, do you feel that um, Frankie, the young, um, I don't want to say that he can, um, he's going to get like tired or something like that, but the way that he's playing and the, the, the demands that the team has on him right now with uh, being that kind of a box to box presence, helping in defense, uh, helping Sergio Busquets or whoever is the, the deep-line playmaker in there, but he also needs to help in defense, but he also needs to go and provide that, those late runs uh, into the box, just some, some energy into the team. And um, sometimes it looks like he's, the, he's running way too much uh, compared to the team. I mean, he looks like the engine of the team. Um, do you feel that this could be sustainable for like uh, years to come? Or do you feel that we need to we need to add a little bit more energy in that midfield or just in general around around those players? Maybe the wide players, maybe somebody uh, more in the defense, trying to help out and trying to squeeze the teams when we're when we're in the front foot.
1: Uh, I think uh, you're right that uh, this kind of uh, form and you know he will get tired pretty soon, uh, and with. Alenya, I think we would need someone like Alenya to balance the midfield out, like you mentioned. So we, because Busquets is getting old, Pjanic is getting also old. So I think a number six position, I think a balanced midfield would look like De Young Alenya, and Pooj, or De Young Alenya, and Pedri, for that matter. Uh, so I think we would need that kind of a player with De Young to balance it all out because he will... Certainly, he cannot keep up this form for long because he will get tired, you know? Uh, so, like Bruno Fernandez is doing for Man United, that kind of a equation is happening at Barcelona with De Young. It's not the same because we have Messi also, but yeah. So, I think we would need someone uh, like Alenia to balance it out. That's my take.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned as well Bruno Fernandes because obviously now he's... Um... Uh, basically mentioned as the as one of the best uh, playmakers in the world and best number 10s in the world. But in the last uh, four games of the Premier League, uh, pretty much this is what I'm kind of afraid of. Uh, in the last four games of the Premier League, he doesn't have a goal or he doesn't have an assist. So that kind of, a, I don't want to say drop, but it's um, the dip in form is normal when uh, I, saw, I saw as well the last seven games of uh, Frankie de Jong, he scored uh, four goals and gave out two assists. So he's basically uh, the, the engine in the midfield. He, he helps in attack, he helps Messi, brings another, another person in there uh, when when is needed. And especially the, the defenders cannot actually account for the movement of de Jong because he just comes from deep, he comes in late into the box. So he's very, very uh, productive going forward. But again, that thing can happen if he's uh, way overused. And I think in the last, well, maybe a a month, um, maybe more than a month, with him and Messi, they are the two two players that just basically an important game they need to start and they need to play. We're going to see. We're going to see. As you said, as you mentioned, Telenia, obviously, we can have uh, the conversations about uh, Pjanic and uh, and Puc and. Uh, the rest of the the rest of the players that we have in the midfield, but unfortunately, n- pretty much none of them can can bring that uh, dynamic presence and that running with the ball, uh, pre- helping with the press and stuff like that. Because Ricky Pucci is nice, and as we saw yesterday, a nice game from Ricky Pucci, but he uh, he kind of needs a little bit more time to to grow into his role and to um, to kind of grow into the first team football because. He's a little bit um, skinnier than probably what <laughs> would what be the ideal for him. If he, when he gets that strength and the, the physical attributes uh, increase over time, I think he's going to be a nice, nice player in that midfield uh, for Barcelona.
1: I think I agree with you on that. I think he, of course, will mature as, as in when he plays more, you know. Uh, and his partnership with De Young, with Busquets, with possibly Pedri, you know, that's yeah. like the fantasy midfield of Pedri, Pooch, and De Young. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah this, happens, is the,
0: <laughs> this is nice.
1: Yeah, if, if that happens, I, I mean, I think that can be the most dynamic and the most threatening midfield in the years to come. And uh, you know, like we we and it'll be like MSN. Basically, they know where to pass each other. Even Shavinista Busquets. I'm not going to compare these three with those three because, of course, uh, different eras, different style of play, different style of the game. Also, so I think they'll just find each other without even looking. I think they can develop that kind of chemistry because the yeah. young is from the school of Ajax, Pooj is of course a La Masia player, and Pedri looks like he was born in Bas- in a Barcelona jersey. Like, yeah, yeah, Pedri, I mean,
0: Pedri, we're not even going to comment on Pedri, whoever, whoever brought that guy in, uh, just uh, massive, yeah, yeah, bring him, bring <laughs> a statue, bring a statue for that guy in the club.
1: I mean, Bartomeu did bring in Trincao and Pedri. What he did was wrong, of course. The other things that he did, but he did sign these these players. So, hats off to him. And he did not let uh, Ansu Fati, Rauho, Ming-Vessa, and other lamasia graduates go. Elias Mariba as well. But he did let go of Moncho, which I don't like. I loved Moncho.
0: That so, is yeah. true. That is true. To be honest with you, with Bartomeu, there are a lot of... Uh, I don't want to say um, like negatives and just uh, things that he did to ruin the club. But that's how it looked from the outside, and then all of a sudden you turn the page and you see the um the Patrick Kluivert, uh being the head of the academy. Uh, you see the bringing the upbringings of uh, Anso Fati. You see Pedri, uh, Trincao. So uh, you see Riujo. You see Iniesta. Obviously, those players are not all brought up by Bartomeo or he he points the finger and he's like, I want these guys to play. But that happened under his uh, stewardship. So. Um, there are some positives to take out of that regime. And also, obviously, there are quite a lot of negatives to take out of that of that as well. Too many negatives, uh,
1: yeah. And also, as much stick as Valverde gets, he was the one who discovered... I wouldn't say discovered, but he was the one who gave Ansu Fadi a chance in the first team. So as much as we hate him, I really like that about him. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I find I find that a little bit weird uh, with uh, Valverde, the... Um, the the negative feelings uh, about him, considering the fact that uh, he won the league two times, uh, and the fact that also in the Champions League the, the performances were were convincing. They were not um, just barely going to the quarterfinals or or something like that. It was just uh, total collapses in the in those last uh, on the last steps just before the final. So yeah, it was not all uh, dark and gloomy. But at the end of the day, um, maybe we understand why they, made that, uh, why they made that change in the coaching staff. But nevertheless, 100% agree with you. Um, some of those young players and some of those uh, uh, exciting, promising talents that were brought from, from outside of the club possibly would not have happened if we didn't, we didn't went through that nightmare of a season that we did last year. So thank you guys for being with us um, today. That will be everything from us. Uh, we're going to come back probably on a Monday or on a Tuesday to um, deliver the next episode of the podcast, reviewing the game against uh, the first home game of the season, of the new year, sorry, uh, against uh, Athletic Bilbao. Um, thank you once again from uh, listening to us, from me, Joro, and from Pukit. Uh Hope you have a nice evening